everyone, welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily, and today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to talk a little bit about repentance and how God wants to save us from the things that are trying to kill us. Um, and there's a famous quote from uh, Sarah Jake Roberts, um, who preaches an amazing sermon called Girl Get Up, and that's on YouTube, and I totally recommend you guys check that out. Um, at some point in your life because it is so powerful. It's like my favorite sermon I think of all time actually. Anyways, um and she's uh famous for that quote which says um I'm tired of trying I'm tired of making love with the things that are trying to kill me. And um so today we're going to be in Jeremiah and we're just going to be chatting about um how God um warns us about the things that are trying to kill us and um, the things that separate us from him. And then he gives us help and aid getting out of that. And through repentance, we can restore the relationship. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about that process today. But firstly, I just want to mention that, um, I've started a website for the podcast and all sorts of other biblical free stuff. Um, it's got Bible study resources, Bible study discussions, um, free graphics, like for iPhone wallpapers, um, I've got cue card quizlets for scriptures, like scriptures if you want to memorize a verse or two, like, um, or if you even want to try and tackle a full passage, I've got different, um, like quizlets with cue cards pre-made, and this is all free stuff, so if you want to check it out, you can go to mondaymorningfaith at weebly.com, and I've got all sorts of free stuff there, as well as, like, links to the podcast, Um, so definitely check that out if you're interested, and like I said, everything's free, because I do believe that, um, that whatever God's calling me to do with this, um, passion project of mine, it's definitely, um, for everyone, and I want it to be accessible to anyone that God, um, God wishes, especially, and to remove that burden of money, so, um, yeah, so check it out if you'd like, and I'm gonna be always uploading new stuff there as well, so, check it out. But anyways, if you want to jump to Jeremiah, I'm being Jeremiah about like chapter two through chapter five today, kind of bouncing back and forth. So if you want to flip that open your Bibles or listen along, um, I will be reading out of my uh, woman's study Bible in the NIV translation. And um, I'm hoping to make today approachable, especially if you've never heard about God um, or if you've been a Christ follower your whole life. Um, I'm hoping that today would be approachable, that we can all um, share in God's word together and learn and grow um, with one another. And so, um, firstly, I just want to do a quick prayer over everyone who's listening right now. And I just want to say that, dear Lord, I thank you for everyone who um, is seeking you right now. And seeking can be so hard and difficult and have such weight on it. And it can be a struggle. And there's a lot of pushing we have to do and striving onwards to get through that seeking season. And um, God, I just ask that you would acknowledge and um, just rain down your kind compassion on your seekers right now, the people who are trying to get closer to you, trying to understand you, trying to have a relationship with you. I just ask that you would bring them blessings and make known your presence to them, to encourage them and give them encouragement throughout their journey. And so God, I just pray pray over everyone right now uh, who's listening. And I just ask that God would um, bring you his compassion and bring you some blessing in your seeking. 
and in your day-to-day to give you encouragement in your relationship with him. In Lord's name I pray this. Amen. So, firstly, before we talk about repentance, because to define repentance... Okay, so now I am talking about it. (laughs) Repentance is essentially not just saying sorry or admitting you've done wrong, but then willfully um, acting to try and change what you have acknowledged is wrong. Um, And that's how you repent. It's two steps. It's acknowledgement and sorrow. And then it's the second step being a will to change and an effort to change. Um, And so... But before we get to that, we have to first address the things that are worthy of repentance, which comes into the whole sinful aspect. But I'm not going to harp on sin today. And like, we all know, for the most part, right from wrong. And we feel that in our heart. And that's our spirit, the spirit of God inside of each and every one of us that is showing us um, when something is wrong. Some people call it a gut feeling. I think it's more like the spirit inside of us prompting us. Um, to give us um, knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And so, um, but God also outlines that for us. And that's why we're so grateful for his living word that is the Bible. And it's great to have, you know, podcasts and sermons and um, retreats and, you know, all these different opportunities to learn and grow with God um, in his word and his living word and to be able to have text that helps us and has helped uh, people for thousands of years before us. And so it's just important to always refer back to God's word um, as the primary resource for all things. And when we look at his primary resource, when we look at God's words and how he speaks through prophets like Jeremiah, um, we see just how deeply, deeply God cares for us. How great is his compassion for us. We're not just some random uh, people to him. He knows us so intimately. I mean, the Psalms say, you, before you form, sorry, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, so he knows us intimately and he cares for each and every one of us. Um, he says in Jeremiah three verses, verse 19, he says, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land and the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought that you would call me father and not turn away from following me. So here he's saying, how gladly I would treat you like my children. And that's because he wants a father-child relationship with him. But if we are estranged from that, then it's hard for him to be able to treat us like our child if we're, if we've ran away. Um, and that's what he's saying. He's like, I thought that you would call me father. I thought that you want this too. That's his hope. Um, and I think that it's so beautiful to hear that written down because I think sometimes because we can't see God um, or always hear him like we do with other people, um, it makes us feel like we're the only ones striving with a relationship for him. We're the only ones seeking him. But his word reassures us and he promises us that he's seeking us too. He desires and hopes for a relationship with us as well. And that it's not just us um, running the race and chasing after him. He's our whole lives been chasing after us as well. And how gladly he would like to treat us like his children. 
and that he wants us to call him father and not turn from him. Um, and so that is to me like the foundation of what we need to keep in our minds when it comes to um, repentance because I think yeah people get a little bit uneasy with the term sin and repentance because it means that we have to acknowledge we've done something wrong. But we know that um, as it says in chapter 3 verse 25 it says we have sinned against the Lord our God and we know that all of us have sinned against our God. All of us fall short of the gospel. All of us fall short of um, the perfection that was uh, Jesus Christ when he lived and gave us his example. Um, and so we all fall short. And um, so sin and repentance is, doesn't have to be a, a dirty, um, weighed down, uh, a shameful experience um, because God offers us repentance, which is the way to mend the relationship. And it doesn't, repentance is meant to free you from shame, guilt, hurt, pain, sorrow, weeping. Repentance is the key, the tool out of that. It is a secret to freeing yourself from the burdensome pain and the key to stepping in to God calling you his son or daughter, you calling God father, and that intimate relationship that will protect you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes God speaks um, with such passion because he cares so deeply for us. And so we see in uh, verse uh 22 it says return faithless people i will cure you of backsliding and it's like wow like i mean return faithless people is a bit sounds a bit harsh to us but when he was when jeremiah is delivering this message this word of the lord um that god has spoken um they're talking about um israel and uh judea and um who had at that time been backsliding a lot they we're not faithful to God. The whole passage, uh, Jeremiah 2 through 5, is basically describing um, how it's like those nations have been like an adulterous wife and God the husband, and they've been cheated on him with different gods and idols. And um, what that represents to us nowadays is um, have we been cheating on God with different idols we've placed in our lives? Um, is it drugs and alcohol? Is it shopping is it your appearance is it like what are you putting in your life above god um that is leading you to destruction because anything placed above god can become an idol that leads to destruction even admiring and loving uh certain people if you above god if you turn to people of this world uh to replace god uh to give you satisfaction happiness contentment uh peace joy um they will let you down and God is one who never lets us down. Um, it is the most pure relationship we could ever have. And so God says that we can return to him and he will cure us of backsliding. And I really, in my heart, believe that that is true. That if we return to God with all that we have, with all of our strength, with all of, it says, um, love, the God, <laughs> love, the, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Um, in the Bible, and that's so true, and if we do that, and if we um, lay ourselves down before him in prayer, and we just say, God, I'm returning to you, please cure me of backs backsliding, and um, I believe that he will put the things in place necessary to keep your faith in him, and that doesn't mean your faith won't waver, 
um, and that you're not going to have challenging days and seasons and times of faith. But I do think that he will cure us of um, turning from him if we depend on him for that. Um, Because that's what his word says, and that is his promise in his word. Um, And the best thing about God is he doesn't leave us high and dry. It's not like we have to figure this out all alone, all by ourselves. Um, That is why we have his living word. And he clearly outlines um, what we ought to do on our end. But then he also outlines his promises on his end. And if you're holding up to your end of the bargain, pray his promises over your life every day. Um, Because God is a promise keeper. He will not fall short of his promises to you. So here are some things that God um, asks us to do as we return to him, as we repent to him. He says, if you invert in chapter four of Jeremiah, um, verse one and two, he says, if you Israel will return, then return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray. And if in a truthful, just and righteous way, you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him and in him, they will boast. And so what God is saying there is um, if you are willing to get rid of your idols, the things in your life that you are looking ahead, um, that you are placing ahead of God, um, then, and you no longer go astray, if you no longer willingly commit sin, knowing that it's wrong, but you keep sitting it anyways, not even attempting to change, and that's a big difference between um, being sorry and repentance, is like, actually trying to change so he's saying if you no longer go astray you're actually making an effort to change um and you you know believe in god by saying uh as surely as the lord lives then god will bring blessings and um that is him outlining his help for us and israel in that day actually practiced idolatry in the form of worshiping other gods and um maybe some of you listening are worshiping um, other gods, horoscopes, um, uh, you know, using tarot cards, new age practices, um, or maybe you're from another religion or you were brought up with a different faith, um, by your family or have been experimenting with one. Um, I would just encourage you to, to immerse yourself in God's word and with prayer and conversation with him as much as you can in every thoughtful moment you get, um, just to spend that time talking to him and asking him to reveal himself to you so that you can come to have a relationship with him because he wants one, as we discussed, so desperately with you as well. Um, and um, so, but we have um, also different idols too that we use, like the idols of fame and a fortune. Fortune's been around for a long time, but fame is a, is really taken off in the last while. It's like, are we putting fame, the idea of being known, above the idea of being known by God. Um, so that is some of the advice and instruction that God gives us for how we can turn to him. And then um, I'll get to get God's promises too, but I just want to focus for a little bit longer on uh, kind of the way, yeah, the instruction and help God gives us to, um, to come to him. And so he says uh, later on in chapter 4, um, verses three and four, he says, break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. 
And I actually had to look up on commentary today the whole unplowed ground thing because I tend to move really pat like past things like that that like I know what unplowed ground is like it's ground that hasn't been farmed on or like used um but sometimes I move past things like that in the bible really quickly without um investigating it and that's okay um sometimes the bible can feel overwhelming so we're allowed to take a break and not um (laughs) yeah there's no um we're not graded you're not going to get an a plus or a d minus when it comes to the way in which you read the Bible, we're not proved by our works, we're saved by our faith. And so um, I usually would run right past that, but I did look it up and it actually means when they're talking about the unplowed ground, it means that it's fruitless and you have to work hard to break it, to break through the unplowed ground and it's got resistance to it. And I really am happy I looked up that commentary. Um, I used Enduring Word, by the way. Um, And... I love that so much because it's like, it's so true when it comes to the things that are holding us back from our relationship with God. Um, it might even be a person in your life. It might be a group of friends in your life. It could be your own family holding you back. Um, it could be so many things. And um, I like the way they say, God says, break up your unplowed ground. Um, and that's going to be hard work to break it up. There's going to be resistance to do it. Um but we see that God calls us to do that. And it's not, God never commands anything of us that isn't um, good for us, which we, which the world has corrupted and turned into saying that if we follow God's commands, we're going to live a boring life. It's going to be full of restriction and unsatisfaction and, sorry, dissatisfaction. And just, it's going to be miserable, miserable, miserable to follow all these commands and rules. But that's why the world says that. The world doesn't want us to love God, believe in God, and have a relationship with God. Um, but each and every one of God's commands is for our good. It, each and every one is a protection. If you isolate each and every command of the Bible, it's to nourish you. Even the commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, is um, honor your mother and your father. And that, obviously, on the surface, wouldn't appear to be about you. But it is. Every single commandment is for your good. When you honor your mother and your father, um, it will bring blessings to you because uh, harmony in the household, um, you know, you know, your kids will get to grow up, if you have children, your kids will get to grow up watching you respecting your mother and father, which in turn will promote them to respect you when you're older. And, like, every single commandment is for our good because God loves us. He's a loving God. He created us. Like if we think about um maybe if you've ever done a painting or if you've ever um you know the creative types even if you create a document for your boss at work and you spend hours pouring over this document at work. Just imagine how much more he's invested into you. He's the creator. More than we could create a work document or a painting, he creates everything, the entire universe, and everything down to the details of your life. He knits you in your mother's womb, and because of that, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's from the Psalms. But it's more than that. It's not just a verse from the Psalms. It's him um, laying that foundation because he cares so much for you that he just gives more He cares more than we could imagine because to him, we're not just a project. 
we're not a fixer-upper project. To him, we're his children. And that's how he views us. And that's the reason for the commandments. So when God gives any commandment, any commandment at all, um, it's for our good. And we see that when he says, break up your unplowed ground. Now, this isn't one of the famous, this isn't a famous commandment, but this is a commandment that God was giving um, to Israel um, as a prescription for how to return to him. And I believe that is 100% applicable to us sitting here right now, wherever we may be, or standing wherever we may be. And um, it's going to be hard. And he doesn't, God never um, sugarcoats anything. Um, We talk in chapter 4, Jeremiah talks about the false prophets that were promoting fake peace. um, Saying, you will have peace, but the sword was actually at their throats, is what the text says in verse 10. And it's fake. It's sugarcoated. And they're trying to... Um, gloss over things. How often do we see that um, with false advertisement and also, you know, your friend trying to convince you to do something is is deceptive. God's not deceptive in his commands. He's not holding anything back from us. He's telling us the truth. He's like, when you break up your unplowed ground, there's going to be friction. There's going to be resistance. It's going to be hard work. Um, But it is all for the better purpose of a relationship with him, which as I'll get to when I talk about his blessings, is so much better than the things that are hurting us. And I talked about earlier that quote, I'm tired of making love with the things that are trying to kill me. It's like, yeah, God's not trying to keep you from good things. Like if you think about getting drunk every weekend and blacking out, forgetting, wasting a bunch of money, hurting your body, it's like, wow, God's really trying to keep you from a good thing. Like, no, that's not a good thing. Hurting yourself is never a good thing. And you know that. And that's why everyone instinctively knows that. That's why the morning after, oh, I'm never drinking again, is what everyone says. And it's like God's trying to prevent you from that situation with his commands. Um, he's trying to keep us from anything that would harm us, which is why he turns water into wine. Jesus obviously drinks. But it's not like Jesus Jesus calls us to be of, a, um, of sober thought, sober mind, sober thought. And so... He's telling us moderation with that one. But each and every command is to protect us from the things of this world that are set to harm us. So looking at that, God then also says um, in chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, after he says to break up your unplowed ground, he says, and do not sow among thorns. And that can mean many things. I mean, it can mean um, don't... Basically, set root. Don't um, don't be around what's going to hinder your growth. If you sow seeds among thorns, they're not going to grow. Um, and so, if you're looking to like negative things, if you're immer- immer- immersing your life around negative uh, things that are robbing you of your peace, your joy, your contentment, your happiness, then it's going to hinder your growth. Um, so God's also saying, when you turn to him, don't sow among the thorns. Um, so obviously in better land than that, um, so that you can grow and flourish, um, because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to grow, grow closer to him, grow, um, in your relationship with others. And, um, we can't do that if we're 
around thorns and luckily we have the choice of where we sow our seeds um to some extent of course you know if you're trapped in a certain high school you know you the thorns you're around are kind of predetermined but you still have choice over who you're going to eat lunch with um so it's difficult for sure but that's why god gives us these beautiful words to help us get it through and then I know circumcised is kind of a funny word, and it honestly made me really uncomfortable when I first started reading the Bible. So if you're thinking that right now, like, oh my gosh, why is this girl talking about circumcision? It's okay, you're not alone. I know it's a weird word. Um, so in verse chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. And so um, without explaining what circumcision is, because if you've taken a health class, you probably know. But basically, instead of... Um, Cutting away the skin um, of male genitalia, God's saying, circumcise yourself to God. So cut away at the the dead skin, what's cut away the useless it's a metaphor, so let's be clear about that. It's a metaphor when it says circumcise yourself to the Lord. Um, and he's saying remove the things that are useless, basically. Circumcise your hearts, which further means um, remove the dead things in your heart, the things that are holding you back. Um, cut away the flesh. And we know that, um, the flesh means, um, in the biblical sense, like the flesh is usually referred to, uh, sinful desires and lust and, you know, kind of the negative things and, uh, desires and passions of the human heart that we're predisposed to as a result of living in a fallen world. Um, so God's saying, cut away that flesh. Um, and then, um, you'll be able to be circumcised to the Lord and there will be not that, um, that flesh holding you back. That desire, um, will not be holding you back from your relationship with God. Um, and God says in chapter three, verse 17, at the end of it, he just says, no longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And to me, that ties right into what I was saying in chapter four, what I should say, what Jeremiah slash God was saying in chapter four, but it's saying that no longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And that's what happens when we circumcise our hearts. When we ask God for a heart change, um, to no longer be bound to fleshly desires, um, you know, sex, um, drugs, popularity, um, vanity, all those things, um, and to rid our hearts of stubbornness t- is, like, painful. It's not fun to acknowledge the things that we're not willing to change. Um, but God is saying that through his name, the name of the Lord, um, we will no longer have to be stubborn. Um, our hearts, um, I know, like, evil hearts, it's like, my heart's not evil. It's like, I, I know, like, you know, it- it's a dramatic way of saying it the way God said it, but I believe it is true. Like, we all have a bit of evil in our hearts. From pastors and priests to um, to homeless drug addicts and to the worst criminals in the world, to teachers, to nurses, we all have evil in our hearts. Um, that's, like, not our fault, necessarily. We were kind of born like that. We know that we were innately born with certain tendencies because God's predetermined... Um, different things he as he knit us in our mother's womb. And so part of living in the fallen world, um, you know, a la Adam and Eve, is just that we're going to have uh, a 
level of evil and maliciousness in our hearts. And it's our job to not be stubborn, to not, um, yeah, not be stubborn in the, the bad things that we're clinging to and to circumcise our hearts, to remove ourselves of the anger that's holding us back, the, um, the lack of trust in God that's holding us back, to circumcise ourselves. Um, and one of the reasons God gives commandments is because he says that um, in chapter 4, verse 18, is your own conduct and actions have brought this on you. Like, and he's talking about um, a great punishment that um, Israel um, was facing. Uh, sorry, Jerusalem was facing. And so it's like, we don't believe in consequentialism as Christians um, because consequentialism basically means that if you do something good, you get something good. If you do something bad, you get something bad. And that's not how God works because we don't live um, a life of works. We live a life of faith. We're not saved by the number of works we do or rewarded by the number of works we do. We're saved by faith. We live by faith through grace, through God's grace. And so um, when it says um, your own conducts and actions have brought this on you, as we all know, we still live in a world of consequences. Um, And if you cheat on your boyfriend, there's going to be consequences to that. And God's just saying, your own actions have brought this on you. Like, your punishment that you're facing, like, is a result of what you've done. Uh, not all the time, let's be clear. Not every bad thing that happens to you is a result of something you've done. But sometimes it is. And we know it in our hearts. It's a lesson we learn very quickly as a child. It's like, you know, if you hit another kid on the playground, yeah, you're probably going to get detention for uh, for the week. So it's like, maybe even a suspension, but it's like... um we know that that is the result of our own actions and our wrongdoings. And God's just trying to protect us from that. He, God, if anything, is trying to protect us from ourselves. Um, and now let's get into the promises of God. So I know we've been harping on this idea of like sin and repentance and evil hearts and all this. And it's like, you know, we have to look at this like soberingly um, with the warning that it is. But it's not meant to be a damper. There's so much hope and light and promise, even in the words of an evil heart. Because God designed us with, you know, our natural um, hedonistic desires. Like, and there's beauty in everything that God does and God creates. And there's so much beauty in his word. So not to look at repentance and sin as this, like, awful thing. Like, the devil's the one who tries to trap you in guilt and shame long term. Um, God's the one who's saying, hey, I've got the keys, guys. I'm going to help you out of this. So now we've talked a bit about the different ways in which he tells us he's going to help us um, get out of it by our own actions. But I want to talk now about like God's promises, um, what he's going to do. Because as we work hard to repent, to turn from the things that are trying to kill us, God is also working. And he's working um, just like we talked earlier, he's passionately running after you. He's pursuing a relationship with you. You're not the only one in this. He's right there with you in all things at all times. So I love this verse in Jeremiah three fifteen. He says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And I'm like, wow, like, I love that so much. I'm gonna read it twice. Uh, God says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart 
who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And I'm like, yes, I'm just always mind blown by that. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's true. Like God will place leaders, role models, um, people in our lives to look up to. Maybe it's a teacher, uh, parents, grandparents, a friend, um, you know, and a sibling. There, like there's always going to be a shepherd that God will place in your life. And if you don't think you have one, then pray this quick prayer. Lord, I just ask that you would bring me a shepherd after your own heart who will lead me with knowledge and understanding and will bring me closer to you, Lord, and will help me through these hard times with these hard things. And just pray that prayer. And it'll be um, God. That's, to me, one of God's promises. He's saying he will give us shepherds after his own heart. I believe he says that in other ways as well throughout the Bible. Um, He doesn't leave it all up to us. He will put things in people in our lives and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a shepherd that you can uh, physically touch. Like it can be a person on TV like Sarah Jake Roberts, Sadie Robertson, Billy Graham. There's so many good people to to look to, not to look to to replace God, um, but to look to as a shepherd after his own heart to help you learn, to lead you, um, as he says, to lead you. And so um, just seek, um, seek opportunity for, um, for you to let shepherds in your life. For me, my father's always been that person to me um, who has been a shepherd of wisdom and knowledge um, and has led me um, so many times in so many difficult things in my life. And um, I'm so lucky for that. But we, I also have to let him lead me sometimes. I have to be willing um, to let him in, to listen. Um, I don't always have, I'm, I'm 20, uh, 23 now, so I don't have to obey. I don't have, like, if he's leading me with knowledge and understanding, I don't have to do what he says. Like, my dad's not God, but God's giving you a shepherd to lead you, to encourage you, to help you, and it's my job to turn my ear to listen, to at least do that. Um, sometimes doing all that you have, seems so small and the enemy makes you want to feel that you're small in that little thing you're doing but it's not little sometimes the greatest thing you can do is the smallest and you just have to turn your ear and listen and that's sometimes the best thing you can do um let's talk more about some other promises of god shall we um let's see um God says um, to Israel, he's talking about them returning to him, um, even though they've, you know, been unfaithful, um, like we talked about earlier, like a kind of like a cheating wife. Um, they've been worshiping other gods. And so God says in chapter three, verse 12, he says, return faithless Israel. I will frown on you no longer for I am faithful. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. And, um, yes, God is speaking to Israel and I'm sure some people out there, you know, the Bible comes with 101 opinions and this is my opinion, um, of course. Um, but some people will tell you that he's only speaking to Israel here. I believe that you can take part of this or all of this and just apply it as a promise to your own life and turn it into prayer and just ask God over this, that, um, if you feel like God's frowning on you, 
um, that you would ask God to show you that he's not and that you would ask God to help you move forward and identify the areas in which you can grow. And he, God says, he, for I am faithful. Now we know that one for sure. That's said like thousands of times throughout the Bible. Um, we know God is faithful. Hold him to that promise. He also says, I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. And so he's saying that he just wants you to acknowledge your guilt. And that's just a promise. He's faithful and we need to acknowledge what we've done wrong. And it's the enemy, as I've said now, that wants to trap you in the guilt. Wants you to just live in it. Live in it not just for the moment, but the enemy will have you living in guilt. Not for weeks, not for months, for years, for decades. The enemy will have you feeling guilty over something that happened so long ago. Um, you heard that example I gave of, um, you know, hitting someone on the playground in elementary school. Well, I did something similar in grade three. I threw, I'm not a physical person ever. And this is actually probably one of like one times this ever happened, like anything like this. But I threw a book at this other girl. I don't know why, like I did that, but to this day, I still feel guilty about it. And like I've apologized obviously since I mean I apologized that day and so to allow ourselves to feel guilty over that it's like you know that was in grade three this is like I'm talking like 20 years ago like so the fact that um the enemy will always have us trying to sit in our guilt because he wants us to feel bad we can't um it's harder to pursue God and uh live for God in his kingdom when we're feeling like crap and when we're feeling guilty and shameful. And that's like one of the enemy's biggest tactics. And he uses those things to draw us back into sin because uh, we feel so worthless. But God doesn't want you to be feel guilty. It's like, as soon as you acknowledge your guilt, God's willing to take that off from you. All it takes is honesty. I didn't realize for a long time how important honesty was to God. Um, but he knows everything. And I feel like in my life, I've personally come to understand just how important honesty is to him. And um, and in being honest, we can free ourselves very quickly from guilt. And I shouldn't even say free ourselves because it's us taking the action of a conversation with God, either in our heads or aloud. Um, but it's God who frees us from the guilt. And um, But it does require our active participation. But it is him who gets the credit, of course, for setting us free. Um, and, um, God, yeah, so when it comes, just back on that note of guilt again real quick, um, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 23, um, he says, see how you have behaved, consider what you have done. So God's talking here about the Israelites worshiping, um, other gods, um, lower case G gods, of course. Um, and then he's saying, see how you've behaved, consider what you've done. Now that's a lot nicer worded. It's more palatable than what I read earlier about, you know, removing the evil from your heart. Um, but it, it's saying the same thing. Consider how you behaved. Sorry, see how you behaved, consider what you've done. God's saying, like, take an honest analysis, like, of what you've done, what the results were, and what needs to change. And then acknowledge what you've done that didn't lead to a good outcome and then bring that to his doorstep and you're free 
free from shame, free from guilt. You don't have to live in whatever pain you're in because he's willing to remove it. Um, and um, it's just, um, yeah, it's his promise for our lives and he always upholds it. Um, and um, I... I, for a long time, I was very confused, and I've seen a lot of videos about um, people throughout the world who don't know God um, and, like, what happens to them in eternity. And I'm not going to speak as to, like, what actually happens because I believe that that is so far up to God. And in my opinion, there's not, like, indicative lines in the Bible that are indicating, you know who's going to hell and who isn't, like, that is up to God's judgment, aside from the fact that it says whoever believes in God, um, and so, you know, uh, John three sixteen, of course, like, to me, that is the one and only definite claim as to who is going to hell or not, and then, as we know, Jesus says the whole thing about away from me, you evildoers, I never knew you, uh, in the gospels, and, um, once again, that's Jesus's comment to make, that's God's authority to have, don't ever let anyone tell you, aside from God, um, aside from your own conviction while reading the word, um, what your fate is. Um, you know, we hold true to John 3.16, in my opinion, and that is what we need to hold true to, which is that whoever believes um, in God shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, so that's what we hold true to. But um, I've seen lots of videos of people saying, well, what happens to like a two-year-old who dies? Obviously they couldn't, um, couldn't have come to know God. What happens to, um, people that are born in countries and have never even heard God's name, like the name of Jesus. And, um, I'm going to read a short verse in Jeremiah chapter five, um, verse four, it says, they are foolish for they do not know the way of the Lord. And, what he's talking about right there is people who um, have actually heard the name of the Lord and have chosen to not explore it and understand it and to have a relationship. People who um, it's right in front of them, but they're not taking it. And that's very different than someone who never had the opportunity, the two-year-old the person born in a different country. And the Bible says, and I don't remember the exact verse or chapter, but you can definitely look it up. The Bible does say that people will be judged according to what they know, um, like according to what their circumstance has been. So in my opinion, the two-year-old and the person who's never heard the name of Jesus is going to be probably just fine in all things because God would never, our loving God would never... Um, hold back from them, um, would never punish them for something they didn't do wrong. And if you never even had the opportunity on earth, um, to hear the name of Jesus, then I don't believe that, um, you would ever be judged. I think like the Bible says in that one verse, which I'm sorry, I cannot remember at the moment, but just says that we're going to be judged according to what we know, according to like our experience on earth. And, um, God saying they're foolish in this verse, uh, chapter 5 verse 4 they are foolish for they do not know the way of the lord and these are people who are who have every ability to know the way of the lord but they are choosing to walk away from it they're choosing not to learn it um and um it is foolish um because it leads to bad spiritual and moral outcomes um and it's like sometimes it's like birds and crumbs or ducks and crumbs at the pond 
It's like you can feed little crumbs and that's great, but at the end of the day, you have to thirst for the whole loaf. Like um like a duck and like a bird would. You have to come after the whole thing. And um it's our job to chase after that. So, um and God just calls us to it and that's the whole um reason for our relationship and repentance with him is because um God is greater than any loaf of bread. He's the one who's going to help us um in all things at all times. Um and that's his promise to us um that we wouldn't experience um separation with him on earth unless we choose separation separation and um as someone who has felt separated from God in their life I can tell you that I I hate feeling separated from God and I hope I never feel that way ever again um and that prayer I said earlier about um about um you know God not allowing you to backslide it's like definitely I I claim that and I I pray it because I think that there is power in praying very specific promises of God over your life and um I encourage you to find some promises that mean a lot to you um and of course read with context like we've talked about but um at the end of the day it's like um I think there's a lot of things you can absolutely take from the Bible and apply directly into your life and words that God says that you can um absolutely use um and so that kind of wraps up today's thoughts. I know I bounced around at the end a little bit there, especially with the random comment about salvation, but I did want to throw it in there because it is in Jeremiah 5, and I do um, appreciate um, when it comes to repentance, we need to acknowledge um, that what we're repenting for as individuals... Oh yeah, this is a good way of tying it in. Um, what we're repenting for as individuals is going to be different than what somebody else is repenting for. Because if... Your friend uh, steals a stick of gum but doesn't understand it's wrong because they grew up with perhaps their father as a thief who's in jail. Um, They're going to be judged differently by God than you, let's say, if you grew up in church knowing that it's wrong to steal and the the harm stealing brings and that your parents always told you not to steal. Then you're going to be judged differently than that. Um, And that's an important distinction to make when we look at repentance because we're not called... Nowhere in this is God saying, look to your neighbor to see what they're doing. God's looking only directly at you. He doesn't compare you to anyone else. Um, He doesn't compare your mistakes. Um, It's, you know, just, just weights is what he uses. So um, he's looking just to you and um, yeah, so your repentance has, should have no bearing on anyone else other than um, the word of God and your relationship with God. Other than that, it's like just brings a lot of um of those angry feelings where it's like of unfairness where it's like, oh, that's not fair. Well, so and so is a Christian and they haven't repented for this. They're still a gossip. They're still a drunk. It's like, yeah, and and God's going to deal with them, too. And um, he's going to deal with them in his way. So let's not be let's not try and play God in it. Let's just um leave it up to God. And if anything, let's pray for them. Um, for God's hand in their life over whatever you're feeling is unfair and just ask God and invite God into your own life um, to identify the areas in which you you should be repenting or or God wants you to repent 
And that's once again not for punishment. Repentance isn't a punishment. Repentance is a freedom. And so let's end in prayer right now. And I want to pray about um, repenting for freedom. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, would you please identify the way you would like me to turn, the way in which I should go? Will you please identify the areas and idols in my life that are holding me back from you? Would you please show me the things that are trying to kill me? And then I ask God that you would free me from them. I know that that would involve active participation on my part. I know that I would have to try really hard. I know that that would bring pain, like the unplowed ground. It would be really difficult and there would be a lot of resistance in the process. But I know that through you, I can do um, do such things. And I know that I can rely on you. So God, I just ask that you would help me identify these things. Help me not look to others and the ways of the world, but help me look up to you. And God, will you please show me and reveal to me that you're chasing after me? Would you please show me how much you love me and encourage me along my repentance journey? Um, And would you show me the goodness that can come out on the other side of repentance and why it would be worth it to, to draw closer to you in that way? So God, I just trust these things to you and I trust my development and my growth to you. And in your mighty name, I pray. Amen. So I'm so glad you guys listened today. I hope you took something useful out of it. And I hope I see you guys next time. Have a great week. Bye.